0: Welcome to the Unteachables podcast. I'm your host, Claire, and I am absolutely no stranger to the challenges and let's face it, sometimes carnage of being a teacher. And if you found yourself, here listening with me, I'd say that you might know a bit about that as well, because being a teacher is friggin' hard. And this podcast is dedicated to making you feel a hell of a lot less alone whilst giving you the knowledge, support and strategies that you need to not just survive the chaos of being a teacher, but truly really thrive. Think about it as getting a weekly dose of relatable, actionable, and most importantly, enjoyable professional learning straight into your ears. So hit the subscribe button, download me for your commute, and let's get into it. Hello, everybody. Another week, another episode of the Unteachables podcast. If you haven't listened before, just let me give you a quick rundown of why I do this work. I believe that teachers not only deserve, but desperately need access to more actionable support around classroom management. We just don't get taught enough of this stuff. We just don't get supported in the way that we need to get supported with something that's incredibly triggering, incredibly challenging. So that is why this podcast exists amongst all the other things that I do in my work. And what I'm about to speak to you about today is just another one of those things that I'm constantly being asked about because it is such a sticking point. It's such a challenge and it is working with parents and carers, especially those that are really resistant to the work that we're doing. Now, over my career, I have made hundreds, if not thousands of calls to parents. Most of these were perfectly fine, right? I told them what I needed to, more or less, they're going to be on board with it. Some of the calls I've made are positive. Some of the calls I've made are negative. However, some of them have been very challenging. Most of them are fine, but some of them have been really, really challenging. And especially earlier in my career, I've had some interactions that have really left me feeling shaken up, uh, really doubting myself. You know, sometimes I've been yelled at, I've been told that I'm a crap teacher. Some have said they're going to make a complaint about me to my head teacher. Some that want their child removed from my class. Uh, You know, the classic being blamed for poor results when their child was barely ever at school and the list goes on. And it wasn't for any other reason than me just wanting to call about their child's challenging behavior. It killed my confidence, right? It, it made every call that I had to make to a parent or carer feel threatening to me in some way. And I don't, blame myself for feeling that. And I don't blame any teacher for feeling that way. It really instilled this kind of trepidation before I made those calls with parents and carers. And especially after a day of teaching students who display those dysregulated behaviours, who are really vulnerable, the last thing any of us need is to feel like we're going to make a call to a parent or carer and be on the receiving end of any kind of backlash or abuse or anything like that. But now I make those calls and I'll tell you what, I make a hell of a lot more of them in my job of of a senior leader. I make so many calls about um, challenging behavior. I make calls that are delivering some really bad news about all sorts of things. And the way that parents respond to me now, it happens far less that I have really negative experiences so what has changed? It hasn't changed. Like the parents haven't changed. The work hasn't changed necessarily. What has changed and developed over time is my approach, which is why I really wanted to record this episode for you all, because you do deserve a bit of support around this and it's support that's not often given. I am just going to try to get through this as quickly as possible. I don't really want to bang on about it for too long, but this episode is going to, because I could talk about this for so long and I could, you know, give you scripts around this stuff, but it's just a whistle-stop tour for it. But this episode is specifically about trying to get those parents and carers on board, especially the parents who have children who have challenges with their behaviours, those ones that are probably getting calls all of the time because of these things. So what we do know is that developing a positive relationship with these parents is crucial because we need them on board. We're going to have to make those calls. We have to talk to them about things. We're going to have to work together. We have to have the best interests of their children at heart together. That is a shared goal of both of us. But what we also know is that it's not that straightforward. It's not that easy. Parents don't always see us as somebody that is on board to help them and their and their child. Sometimes they do perceive us as somebody that is the opposite of that and they're resistant to the support that we're trying to work with them on. They're resistant to all of those things and then that can lead to them pushing against us, blaming us and the blame game is just so counterproductive in education. And that's a really challenging part of our job. Even though it's challenging, it doesn't change how important it is and how important it is for us to get our heads around this and be able to do this. We are the professional after all. So this podcast episode is just about giving you actionable strategies to not just address these challenges, but to mitigate some of them and lay down some really important foundations. I'm going to be going through four things and giving you a few things to action immediately. Of course, as I said, I can't offer rigorous mentorship in an episode of a podcast, but I really do hope that it will give you a solid starting point for changing the feeling of these interactions, hopefully to give you a little bit more confidence going into these discussions, feeling like you can tackle these And just feel like no matter what the reaction is on the other end of that phone, you can deal with it. You have the confidence and you have the skills to be able to manage that. So the four specific things that I'll be going through is, number one, initially establishing a positive rapport with these parents. Number two, making a challenging call to these parents. Number three, balancing these calls and keeping parents and carers on side and for what to do when things aren't working, when there's more resistance, when they don't have that buy-in, when you know that when you pick up that, um, that phone and make a call, it's going to be some battle, which is just the worst feeling in the world. So let's get started with number one, initially establishing a positive rapport, establishing some kind of relationship, because what you don't want to do is wait until you just say you've got a student who you know is going to display some challenging behaviors. You know this because historically at the school they have, you know that that parent the year before was constantly being called, you know, because in the meetings you've been in, that's a student that's on like the name on everyone's lips. You know, the students that you're going to have to work with more rigorously and you don't want to have to wait until a challenge bubbles up to make that initial call with that parent because if you're starting a year off that way, they're going to think, oh great, here's another teacher that will just call me a million times for the challenges that they're facing with my child. And whether it's true or not, they're going to be thinking their job is to manage this. Why can't they just manage this? Because there's so much tension in those relationships. So, what I do is I make a list at the very start of the year of must talk to parents. I base this, as I said, on like discussions and data. All of the things that tell me that this is a young person, not that is going to have really bad behaviours and I need to get on top of like the discipline. I don't think like that. What I see it as is a way to kind of put some foundations underneath that student, put a net of support underneath that student, because me being able to communicate effectively with that parent is going to benefit everybody in that situation. So I think about a list of students who is going to benefit from uh, a bit of additional support, a student that I know I'm going to need to get the parent on board with to be able to work most effectively with. So I just go through that list. We're not going to be able to call all of them. You know, as secondary teachers, we teach hundreds of students, primary teachers. You might have the time to call every single parent, which would be amazing. But yeah, I prioritize the ones that I do need to kind of establish that relationship with. And that's really important for me. Just introduce yourself tell them what your intentions are. You can be transparent. You know, I'm calling because I know that Eric had a tough year last year. I know that you got heaps of calls. I know that that must have been really stressful and really, um, you know, really a struggle for you. I know that it must have been a struggle for the teacher as well, but I wanted to tell you that this is a clean slate. I want the best for Eric. Is there anything that I need to know in working with Eric? Is there any way that I can better help him this year? Is there anything that he's said to you in particular about what he needs from his teachers? So just opening up that relationship with the parent and carer and what's really good about those questions, like, is there anything that I need to know as a teacher? Is there anything that, you know, you think I can do to better help Eric? Uh, The great thing about those questions is from the get-go, you are showing that parent that you want to work with them, you respect their opinion, you're going to try to collaborate with them. It's not just you saying, I think they need to get X, Y, and Z of a punishment. I'm sick of this behaviour. This behaviour is not appropriate. You need to talk to Eric. It's completely shifting that narrative to we are in this together, we're working together, you know things about Eric that I don't obviously because you're the parent and I really want to work with you on this. So it just changes that dynamic from the get-go and shows that parent that you're willing to work with them, not against them. But there is a really high chance that with some students you're going to need to make that challenging call. So number two, making that challenging call, what does that look like? It can be really uncomfortable to make that call. So just be really clear, be really transparent, don't blame, but also don't skirt around it and ask for support. When I say don't skirt around it, if a a young person has been in my class and called me, and it's funny because I'm going to skirt around it for the podcast for the sake of keeping it clean, but if they've called me an effing something, so and so, right? I'm not going to skirt around it and say that they used abusive language towards me. I'm going to say, Mrs. Whoever... Eric has just said to me that I am an effing blah, blah, blah. And I will quote that student back to them. I need to be really transparent, really clear about what happened with that young person, because that's how we start to move forward with them. And that's how we start to get the parents on board because we're being really clear with them, really transparent where we're not skirting around anything. We're not trying to uh, sweep it under the rug. We're being open. We're being honest and we can ask for support. I really need your support with this because because, not only is this behavior really damaging for the relationship that I have with him because I really need to work with him in a positive way. But for Eric to be saying these things, I'm worried about the mentality that that is getting across to the other students. It's misogynistic language. It's, you know, racist language. And I'm really concerned for what he's, you know, what he's viewing, what kind of things he's absorbing, where he's getting this from. Is there any friendships that we need to be aware of? Uh, I'm worried about if he goes out into the community and he says something like this, he's, going to be putting himself in harm's way. So coming at it from, he said this, he's done this, I'm concerned for these reasons. What can we do to work together? Do you have any ideas of where this is coming from? No. Okay. We need to come at it from a united front. Approach it not as something punitive, don't expect the parent to take that as a cue to punish the student. Tell them why you're making the call. What's your intention? And it needs to be about collaboration. So some things that I say explicitly to bring the parent on board and open up that mode of communication is I'm calling because it's really important that Eric sees both of us working together. I might say I'd like there to be a consistent message from the both of us. I might say, can you please let him know that I called because he needs to know that I care enough to follow up on these things. Uh, Do you have any ideas? Is there anything you've noticed? Is there anything that I need to know? So all of these questions, again, it's not me dictating what's happened in the class, recollecting something and just shutting off the conversation there and then and, and kind of Telling the parent what they need to be doing because it's their child. I'm not the child's parent. They're the child's parent. So, getting them on board as much as possible by asking these questions, collaborating on ideas. uh, And that's always going to get more buy in for the parent to then let me support them, let me support the young person. And then the parent's not going to go off and slag me off to. The, the child's, oh, you know, your, your teacher's just calling, complaining about you again. It's not going to be that conversation with the young person. It's going to be a different conversation. And that's where the power comes into it as well. You don't want that parent to be going to the student and say, and it does happen. Oh, you know, Miss English is bloody calling me on the other end of the phone again, saying that you've chucked stuff at people, but I know that they're doing a back to you as well. We're flipping that narrative. Is there anything you've noticed? Do you have any ideas? I'm concerned. I care enough to follow these things up. So can we please work together on this. Is there anything that I need to know? So really bringing them on board with that. Number three, balance it out. I can't stress this enough. And this is about investing in the emotional piggy banks of our students. And it's also fostering that relationship with the parents because they're going to be far more on side with you when you take the time to come and make these calls that are positive. You might say something like, I know we've had some struggles this term with Eric. My goodness, you and I both know we've sat on this phone multiple times, but I needed to call you today to tell you how brilliant it was to see Eric come into class. He was sitting down he had his pen out he was attempting some questions it was brilliant and please 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 tell Eric that I called give him a little boost this is just magic for the relationship with that student too when you have taken the chance to call the parent of a child that probably only exclusively gets really challenging phone calls from school to their parent it boosts the relationship, it builds trust, and you're going to see incremental changes from that student just from that, just by you investing in that emotional piggy bank, just by you showing that student, hey, you know what? I am seeing you for more than your behavior. That is so incredibly powerful. This isn't about keeping expectations low, by the way. I know that it sounds like a low ball for me to say it was brilliant to see Eric in class today because he was sitting down and had his pen out and attempted some questions, but it's not about keeping expectations low. It's about catching the positives when they arise and recognising that for some of our young people, this small stuff is the big stuff and we need to recognise that those incremental little changes are everything to some students and we shouldn't be waiting until they are, you know, 100% compliance isn't what we need to be aiming for, by the way, but we don't need to wait until these students complete an essay for us to be calling their home and saying, well done, really recognize those things that are important for that student. And number four, things can become really challenging. You could do all of the things, you could establish that relationship, you could be fostering the relationship through positive calls, and you could still call that paranormal carer and be met with a lot of challenge on the other end of the phone. And there are a few things for us to remember when this does happen and things I tell myself to help me reframe the interactions I'm having all the time. And most importantly, to remain professional and calm. And I think that's why the the calls that I'm having at the moment don't feel as heavy, don't feel as stressful, don't feel as challenging because of my ability to reframe it and be the professional and be as calm as I am. The first thing that's really important to note is there are a variety of reasons why the interactions with parents or carers can be really challenging. Maybe they refuse to acknowledge that their child displays challenging behaviours. Maybe they jump to conclusions and believe when their child comes home and creates a series of events. Maybe they call you fuming over test results. Maybe they refuse to engage with you at all. There's a whole variety of reasons why it might be really challenging, but whatever the challenge is, it's important for us to keep a few things in mind to. Maybe consider why the parents are responding to you in this way. This isn't to pass blame. This is to help us to reframe things so we can work with them better without taking it personally, without thinking, Oh my gosh, they're attacking me. Uh, Depersonalizing it and coming at it from a more um, logical standpoint really does help with these interactions because then we are coming at it from our thinking brain, not our emotional brain. So. They could just be advocating for their child in the best way they know how, and maybe they don't know how to do that in a calm way, in a present way. Maybe they have their own negative experiences of school and you as the teacher represent that for them. So they go into protection mode themselves. And that is a big one that I see from the parents of students who have a lot of challenges, challenges. Their negative experiences of school, their negative experiences of teacher, they, teachers, they don't trust us. So the second we call, the second they see the school pop up on their phone, they are immediately going to go into protection mode and they're going to be in their feelings brain. They're not going to be led by their, um, their, Prefrontal cortex, and they are going to be in fight, flight, or freeze because of the sheer fact that you are a teacher from a school that is calling them. And they might genuinely be struggling with the behaviors themselves, and they might themselves be lost as to what to do. And when they receive yet another call from the school, they're like, oh crap, here we go. Another call. I feel disempowered. I feel lost. I feel out of control. I don't know what to do with my, my child. And I've got this school calling me again on the other end of the phone. So they're going to defense mode. And that's again, something that I see quite a lot. So it's like with the students. So I say, there's a reason behind it. There's always a why behind the behavior, but then everyone comes back and says, well, what can I do about it? Well, When practically, when you're up against this, when you're really struggling with a kind of dynamic with a parent or carer, when you have to go and make that call, the most important thing for you, just like in a lesson, is to regulate and prepare for the conversation. Pause, take a breath, check in with yourself. If you want to have a calm, productive, and positive discussion with a parent who you know is going to be resistant to that, you need to model that for them the same way that you would model that for your students. You need to be the conductor, you need to be the person steering that conversation and steering that ship. If you're feeling too dysregulated to do that, simply put the conversation off until you're ready to do that, until you're in a calm and regulated state, because it's not going to go well if you go in all guns blazing, feeling really heightened yourself. Again, it's the same as working with any other human being. It's not about being a teacher. It's about being a human being. If you are a parent and your your child is having a moment of dysregulation and you meet that child's dysregulation with your own dysregulation, what do you think is going to happen? It is just a human thing to do. And it's no different when talking to parents and carers, you can influence their regulation with your own regulation, just by taking a deep breath, just by listening, just by being calm yourself. If you're trying all of the above and the parent is still dysregulated and things are escalating, just get support from a colleague, please. Yes, you need to work with the parents of your students. Yes, it's super important for us to be able to foster those positive relationships, but nobody gets into the profession to be yelled at, abused and sworn at by parents and carers. So please seek support from a leader or a fellow colleague, whatever it might be, whoever is around you, seek support, hand the phone over, pass it off, hang up, do whatever you need to do in that moment to remove yourself from that situation and then seek support on how to proceed because nobody, as I said, gets into the profession to have that level of verbal abuse against them. But if you are in a conversation with the parent and they do seem really dysregulated and you are calm and you're trying to regulate with them, the best thing that you can do is just try to hear what they're saying, hear where they're coming from. If they're willing to talk to you, just be an ear because I love the quote that people like there's not a single human being alive that doesn't calm down a little bit when they feel validated and heard and an acronym that I've created for listening to parents and carers is just here so honesty be honest and transparent in your communication show empathy and understanding towards their concerns and perspectives actively listen to make sure their voices are heard their voices are valued and respect treat them with respect acknowledge their role in the child's life and their education. All of these things are so important and it's not about passing blame. It's not about judging. It's not about anything. It's not about copping it ourselves and taking the blame ourselves. It's about being the professional, opening ourselves up to listen to another human being who is also going through something in their lives to make themselves so disconnected from the school, from you. Nobody comes at teachers in that way without there being a reason behind it. Okay. I am here to support you. I hope that you have got somebody at school to support you through this. If you do have a situation at the moment where you're really struggling try these strategies but then always seek support Uh, as I said nobody should be dealing with this alone and the only reason why I now know what I know about this number one is experience because I've been doing this for you know 14 years but secondly it's because I've had incredible mentors who have been able to sit beside me listen to the conversations I'm having talk me through a better strategy talk me through a better approach there is no way that I'll be able to be in position to be on the other end of this podcast with you without a great deal of that in my early career and all through my career. I still need support from people as well. Okay, lovely people. In saying that, I hope that you have a wonderful week ahead and I hope that you got something from this episode. If you did, I am asking you, please, please, please to leave me a review not only because I love reading them so much and it lights me up to read every single one of them. And I promise I do read every single one of them and I screenshot them and I have it in a little folder called why I do this work, but it also helps me reach other teachers and as I said in the beginning, teachers deserve access to support. Teachers deserve access to things that they can actually action in the classroom because not enough about classroom management is taught. I mean, I definitely didn't get taught at university how to speak to a parent or carer when they're resistant to whatever I'm saying on the other end of the phone. Okay. Have a lovely week and I will see you in the same place at the same time next week.